Welcome to the Law Firm Growth Podcast, where we share the latest tips, tactics, and strategies for scaling your practice from the top experts in the world of growing law firms. Are you ready to take your practice to the next level? Let's get started. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Law Firm Growth Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Jan Roos, and I'm here with a really interesting topic, which I might actually dig into some stuff that we're going through right now as I ask our current guest, John Baldock, who is the head of growth for Social Horsepower, about a lot of stuff related to social selling, different networks, things that we haven't actually gone over too much on the podcast, but have some really interesting applications for a lot of different practices of law. So thanks for coming on, John. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Okay. So to kind of get into it, it's it's interesting. Like I'm familiar with the term social selling, but one of the other things I saw in your bio was this concept of employee advocacy, which is the first time I've seen that. So I guess, could we start off with kind of getting some definitions down and what the difference is between the two? Sure. And before I do that, how about I back it up just a little bit and I'll give, you, cool that. My, <laughs> give, give you my background. There's a reason why uh, I talk about this stuff. And so I worked for LinkedIn for almost 10 years. And uh, I finished up at, uh, at the end of June in 2020. And my final four and a half years for LinkedIn was managing their employee advocacy platform. So they had a platform called Elevate. It was actually one of their fastest growing, most successful products they'd ever launched. And um, they then sunset, which doesn't make any sense. Like if it's doing so well, why would you sunset it? But actually, they were going to make way more money if they got rid of it than if they kept it. And so what basically the platform and, and what employee advocacy is, is uh, you, you've got employees at your company. You want them saying good things about you. You want them on social. The downside is that they don't know where to find the content. They don't know what to say, and they don't know when to say it. And so this sort of demystifies all that and takes all those worries away. Basically, there are platforms like Social HP where you curate in all of the content. And that content could be thought leadership. It could be industry news. And it could be company-related content. And then employees go in and they decide what they want to share and they put it out to their networks. Usually people default to sharing on LinkedIn, but we connect to other networks. So, you know, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. So organizations, you know, especially like law firms, they want to use this type of technology because they want to land new clients and they want to expand existing relationships. So they may be dealing, you know, if it's a corporate law firm, they may be dealing with one slice Let's say they're dealing with IBM and they're and they're providing services to one particular team. Well, there's literally hundreds of, of possible buyers that you could be selling into corporately. And so it's how do you expand those relationships? And so a simple example would be if uh, you were looking to sell into LinkedIn when I worked there and you shared something and I like, comment, or reshare it, which are all publicly facing actions, then everyone in my network is going to see that update. And I'm connected to 300 people at LinkedIn. And if I'm one of your buyer, target buyers, I'm also connected to all the other buyers at the organization. So it's about building that visibility, building the brand. It's all the top of the funnel activity. When you look at the marketing funnel, it'll be all that top of the funnel activity. Who are these people? What's the brand? What are they about? And if you utilize employee sharing rather than running a campaign, I mean, running campaigns are great and they're going to drive some results. But if you utilize your employee channel, then you can actually tell a story over time because it's evergreen. It's always on. Your employees are always able to share content. So instead of just a campaign where you're putting like, if they click on that ad, then I deliver ad number two. And if they click on that ad, I deliver ad number three. 
you can literally stage out how are you going to tell your story over the course of a year and build those relationships for your attorneys to be able to land new deals and, and, and bring in new clients. Yeah, that's fantastic. And I also say too, as far as like where it's coming from too, just if you even have the same content, but it wasn't coming from something that said sponsored out at the top, I'm sure a lot of people are going to take that differently. So that's- It's, yeah, it's twice as trusted. No kidding. I mean, you yeah, gotta, st- statistically, it's twice as trusted. Wow, yeah. that's fantastic. So, um, and I also want to say too, I mean, it sounds like there might be some other applications as well too. Like, you know, I know I'm usually thinking the most about sales stuff just because of uh, what it is that we do. Sure. But at the same time, as far as hiring and, and that kind of thing and, you know, employee retention, that, that probably doesn't hurt either, does it? It ties in really nicely with, uh, with hiring and retention. So uh, I'll touch on hiring first, which is basically, let's say we need to hire 30 attorneys this year and it's within a couple of different teams. Well, I can advertise to those audiences all I want, but they don't know our firm. And if you probably, if you survey all those attorneys and ask them to stack rank, which is what we used to be able to do with LinkedIn, we used to be able to come to companies and say, this is how you compare to your competitors for your talent acquisition. So, you know, you're number 10 in this, you know, you're number nine in that, you know, you're number three here. And we would have a a list of criteria. And if you want to be competitive and you want to pull those people into your firm, you need to be top of mind. You want to be at the top of of that echelon. So that way, when you have openings, you have referrals coming in versus trying to hit somebody up cold. And so by having your attorney sharing out cultural updates about the company, what the company culture is like, what the campuses are like, not that that's entirely relevant over this last year, but uh, maybe it's workplace flexibility, whatever that is, there's the benefits, the, the reason, the kinds of work that you're doing. This demystifies the brand and it basically, it it gives you an impression or feeling about that brand. So then, and it's also being shared by your your attorneys who are connected to, guess who, other attorneys that have the exact same skill set. Like they've worked with them on other teams at other places, et cetera, et cetera. Even if they're coming from schools and they're new hires, they're connected to a whole whack of other students that you could potentially be bringing in. So at every possible stage, it can work to be able to draw people into the organization. And then you can tie it into your applicant tracking system. So that way you can not only see, hey, we're getting more job views, we're getting more job applications, but also we can actually see who of these people are connected to our attorneys, therefore you know, attribute it back to the attorney that actually shared that content. Yeah, that's fantastic. And like the other thing too, is just like, I'm sure there's a tremendous additive effect, like even, you know, beyond the stuff that you guys can track directly from coming in from a referral, like if you were to run the ad to that more or less softened audience, it's a lot more of a warm, you know, reach out, or if somebody's just going for the, you know, the LinkedIn sponsored message or the cold outreach, it's going to be a little bit less cold every time you do that. Totally. It's, it's about touch, you know, touch points. And, and when I was helping organizations with their talent acquisition strategies, when I worked for LinkedIn, we would talk about the journey. You could talk about a buyer's journey from a sales perspective. Well, it's kind of the same thing when you're talking about a talent acquisition journey. Some people, it, it only takes a couple of things. And they're like, oh yeah, I want to work there. Sometimes it could take you a year, a year and a half of constant touch points, putting little evidential points in front of people. So that, that way they get familiar with your organization. They get familiar with the brand. They get familiar with why they would want to work there. They know who, people that work there. You know, Now all of a sudden, you're not just some firm out there. You're actually a firm that they want to work at. So it's, it's the same idea with the marketing funnel. You know, you're building that awareness and eventually you're getting them through to applying for a job or they're much more receptive when you reach out to them because you can already see they're connected to your attorneys and they're, uh, you know, they're, therefore they've seen this content over the last year and therefore much more likely to respond to a recruiter. 
Yeah, I mean, honestly, I think the the, the stakes get much higher, and it's the, the more sophisticated of a, of a hire you're trying to make. Like, you know, this probably isn't something that a lot of people have to like absolutely blow out all the stops to like hire a paralegal fresh out of uh, <laughs> a bachelor's degree. But like, if you want, you know, people who have specific subject matter, uh, which I know, like, I mean, I honestly don't know a lot about how these big white shoe firms grow, but that's a big like it's a big uh, way that a lot of people do that, from what I do know. So, you know, these guys are probably getting hit up by recruiters all the time. But if you're the person totally. who's had the story going for the last year, that's, you know, it's a huge advantage. Exactly. So I wanted to switch base into kind of a, some of the application of this stuff. So one of the things, and I'll, I'll kind of use ourselves personally, and, you know, I'll go ahead and say this on the podcast too. We waited an embarrassingly long time to actually get our whole uh, setup going for KCL on LinkedIn. And Good. it was only literally a couple of weeks ago. We have employees that have been here for two or three years that still had the job that they had when we hired them. <laughs> Right. So we've kind of been going through the exercise of creating a unified front. And it's really made me kind of think about a lot of this stuff, which is why it was a really good time to have you on the podcast, John. But I've always felt that it was easy for us to ask our marketing and sales people who, you know, had some tangible benefit to putting this stuff out to, to do this kind of thing. How are you getting buy-in across the organization to do this? Um, buy-in to bring this kind of tool in or buy-in oh, for I the guess people to share the content? From the people ultimately. Yeah. Okay. So I'll give you an example of a large organization. So obviously this wouldn't be a law firm, but let's say, you know, so 10,000 employees. And so my experience was in working, I had clients, my largest client had 450,000 employees. And then our smallest client, you know, had a, had a few thousand. And, um, but this is applicable. Like if you have a firm of 50 people, this is still very valuable. So if you have an organization of 10,000, the most you're likely going to get to sign up to raise their hand and say, this sounds like a great idea is about 50%. So take that into consideration. The idea, like, unless it's, unless you've got a firm of 50 people, which then you can just basically say, Hey, everybody do this. But if it's like a big company, big organization, then there's people can put you on ignore pretty, pretty, you know, pretty easily, pretty fast. That being said, let's say now you've got uh, half of your audience signed up. So you have 10,000 employees and 5,000 signed up of those 5,000 you have different groups. So raising your hand and saying something's a good idea and then following through is a different deal altogether. Think about, you know, how many training seminars you've been to where they give you a binder and they're like every week, you know, fill in this page and make your notes on your goals. And then once you do that, you know, email it to, and whatever. And what you do is you get back from the training session. You go, this was great. I really enjoyed that. And then you slide the binder up on your desk and then you never look at it again. <laughs> yeah, it collects, exactly. <laughs> it collects dust and it's brilliant. Well, we say yes to all kinds of stuff, and then we very rarely follow through. And then also take into consideration that most organizations, they have a lot of apps. So like if you, for example, like with single sign-on, then you can literally just, when you go into Okta, something like one of those tools, you just see like rows and rows and rows of apps. And your goal is to use the least amount of those tools to be able to get your job done. Why duplicate effort? Why, you know, why would I use that app when I can get all this other stuff in this one? So they're spread thin and they're asked to be doing a lot. And then attorneys are asking them to bill. Like you want them making money for the firm. You don't want them like spending all their time rewriting copy and being an expert on, on sharing. And it's a lot to ask uh, an employee to be a social media marketing expert on top of their regular job. So what you end up with is, is the early adopters and the people that love technology, which is about 20%, those people will use this tool regularly. So what you find is that on average, 20% of the people that actually signed up will use it. So if you have a company of 10,000, you get 5,000 to sign up, 1,000 will actually log in roughly on a monthly basis and, and share content. 
So you have two challenges. One is what content do we deliver those 1,000, which is not rocket science, you know, thought leadership, industry news, company content. How do I motivate the other 80% to actually use this tool? And that was our challenge at LinkedIn. On an annual basis, when we're up for renewal, a lot of clients would just say, you know what? We signed for 5,000 last year. We got 5,000 people to sign up. Only 1,000 are using it. Let's just reduce our contract to 1,000. That's how many people are using it. Why pay for another 4,000? They would also be concerned about missed opportunity. The average person on LinkedIn has 800 connections. So if I have 4,000 people that raise their hand and aren't using it, that's 4,000 times eight. So there's 3.2 million people that we could be reaching whenever we want if our employees would just get in and share content. So those are the biggest problems with these kinds of applications, these SaaS-based, you're not tied to your job, you don't get fired if you don't use them. So what Social HP built is a do-it-for-me functionality. And people love it, especially within the legal world. And so basically what they do is the attorneys sign up and then the social media marketing manager who is the expert on content curates the content, like shares, you know, one piece for them this week, two pieces for them next week. So, you know, there's a thought leadership piece, there's an industry news, and then here's something that they can comment on. And they put it on their calendar and they just basically set it to go out for them. And then there's two ways people can have their calendars. So attorneys can have an open calendar or a locked calendar. Open calendar basically means you guys have at it, plan out the perfect sharing cadence, make me look like a genius for sharing this amazing stuff at the right time and all that kind of stuff and making our firm look great. And I don't have to do a thing, never have to log in, never have to think about it. And all I get is just comments coming in on LinkedIn going, oh my God, you know, that was so amazing. Thank you for sharing that. The other one is a locked calendar. So they can place things on your social sharing calendar so that it's set to go out to LinkedIn and whatever platforms you want. The difference is you get a notification the day before saying, hey, this is ready to go out. Can you just review and approve it? And then people literally, it's like dinners being like walked in and just sat in front of them. Like, here you go. All you need to do is just get ready to click a button and away it goes. That makes it nice and easy. So that's the structure that we built. It's the only platform. Social HP is the only platform that has this functionality. And it's the absolute game changer. It's basically taking employee advocacy from you know, an an infancy stage to a 2.0 sort of next generation type of product. Yeah, that's fantastic. And one of the things I always say, like, uh, as far as when we're consulting with clients and their sales process and stuff is like, basically, the less you can count on people to do, the more likely it is that it's going to actually get done. (laughs) The end of the day, it's like, it's like, I like to say, I'm not cynical, but uh, I have a pretty realistic understanding of, um, the temptations that people have on their attention and, and the, the world that we live in. So that's absolutely fantastic that you guys had that. And then um, you know, just to kind of go into the other side of that too. So let's talk a little bit about the content calendar. Do you guys have mm-hmm. people that are like you know, repurposing content that they're going to be producing elsewhere on their blog or YouTube or whatever? Or do you guys go ahead and have specific, I mean, how much do the clients that you're working with are, are creating content specifically for LinkedIn and the use of this platform? Generally, everybody is creating content. All firms are creating content. Usually they place it on their blog and then they forget about it. Some of them place it on their blog and then they ask employees to share it out through email or on LinkedIn. And then they may update it on the LinkedIn company page. And then there's going to be some firms that have thought leaders. So they're industry experts, et cetera, et cetera, and uh, maybe subject matter experts. And they'll ask those people periodically to write an original piece or, or you know, a thought leadership piece. And then they'll have people you know, comment on it, et cetera. So it's this tool just grabs all of that and brings it into this one location, including anything else that they would want to be able to share out. But I'd say most firms are creating original content. They just don't realize 
what they can do with it and the power of it. They seem to, you know, just put it on their corporate blog and periodically update it on their company page. But just, you know, basic math, if I have a firm of 50 people and we have 600 followers uh, for our firm, that's one employee shares it out and they'll actually beat the firm's reach on LinkedIn. And if you have all 50 people share it out times 800, then you're talking about a reach of 40,000 instead of a couple hundred. It's basically utilizing the power of what you have and, and amplifying it. And we can dip into a, another topic, which is um, share of voice. I'm happy to explain it. Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah, it's something that, so it's an important subject because what LinkedIn would do on their platform specifically, but this, you know, this math could be applied to, to any platform is they would measure a company's share of voice. Let's say we have a firm and, and they're specifically dealing with bankruptcies, okay? So if you then look at LinkedIn, LinkedIn will actually tally all conversations that are happening around bankruptcies. And then they'll, you know, let's say it's you know, 10,000 conversations. And then they'll look at your firm and say, what percentage of those conversations around bankruptcies are you involved in? Which is usually a very small amount. So then they would come back and then they would say, hey, FYI, you guys specialize in this area and your share of voice is 0.5% of the total conversation. And then they would go, by the way, here are all these other firms that are destroying you. You know, like here's a firm that has 15% of that conversation. Here's another firm that has 8% of that conversation. And you guys barely even register as a blip. And then they would, of course, pitch, hey, why don't you run these uh, evergreen ad campaigns? spend you know, oodles of money and they are effective and they will definitely change your uh, share of voice and they'll drive new business, et cetera. And they're very targeted. It's great, but they're costly. You can do the exact same thing by utilizing your employees to change that share of voice. So you can go from a company, you know, if you have 50 uh, attorneys and you have 600 followers of your company page, to a reach of 40,000 with just your uh, employees sharing out that, you know, the same story. Now find a firm that has 40,000 followers. They've probably got 2,000 attorneys. So now you're a firm with 50 attorneys competing with a firm with 2,000 attorneys because they're not utilizing their employees' voice and you are, and their company page has 40,000 followers and your employees have 40,000 followers. So you guys are an equal playing field. All of a sudden, you're, it's the great equalizer. You're a small firm and you're like playing like with the big boys. Yeah, that's fantastic. And it's kind of funny too. Like the thought that crossed my mind when you were saying that, John, I was like, it's like, you know, people always used to joke like, oh yeah, man, they had a, the guy who invented a car that ran on water, but they killed him. Like, I think right. pretty, like <laughs> why LinkedIn made it? Because, you know, it's it's better for them. And again, I, I don't really think anyone's a, a good or bad actor as far as like the big players in the ad space. But it's like, yeah, they make more money when people are duking it out on the ads auction. They don't make money when there's a way to do it. So it absolutely completely makes sense if that's the thing. And then I was just kind of thinking about applications for this too. Like, you know, it's it's interesting. You know, we deal almost exclusively with estate planning attorneys, but every once in a while we get people who are talking about getting, asking us for, for help on some pretty niche stuff. And like one of the ones that comes to mind is just like, um, you know, just emerging fields like cryptocurrency and cannabis law mm -hmm. and that kind of stuff. I mean, I could imagine that's probably, do you have any without, you know, sharing specific details, but any examples of like, what would be, I know we kind of threw the 0.5% share of voice, like, sure. How good can it get? If you're talking about a niche, like, you know, the best situation for the most niche topic for the best engagement, like what would be like a absolute, like golden outcome for, for one of these campaigns working out super well? Well, I mean, and, and one thing I would say is that I wouldn't call it a campaign because it's evergreen. Right. Right. And so it's, it's literally an evergreen channel. A campaign would be, I just gave LinkedIn 10 grand. 
and they ran my campaign. It lasted three weeks and here are my stats. And then I hope this results in something. And those are effective. This would be cheaper than that, run for an entire year and generate massive amounts of ROI for your firm. So completely different angle. But that being said, if it's a very niche topic and there's a very limited amount of players in the space, you'll get a sense. I mean, first off, if you're not really playing in it, you know, you're just company updates and commenting here and there, you're going to almost barely register. But if it's a niche topic and it's finite and there's a very specific audience and your firm has reached into some of those people, if you deliver content that's engaging and you're consistent with it, you could end up with 50% of that share of voice. Yeah. And that's amazing to think about too. Yeah. It's like, if you have the point where literally whenever this thing is mentioned, you're brought up every other time that it's brought like, you know, I can only imagine what the, you know, the the return investment for something like that would be. So that's, that's amazing. And actually kind of on the topic of, of content that gets engaged. I know you mentioned that you guys have some analytics, like, are you able to share, like, do you guys have any insights onto what kind of stuff tends to perform the best? Or like, do you guys do any sort of analytics on that? The best analytics came from LinkedIn when I was there and we had analytics on that. Mm -hmm. We didn't necessarily stack rank it. So it was a little more anecdotal, but uh, first I'll just say that there's a best practice in sharing content, Mm -hmm. which is we had a, a model, which was three, two, one. So that was three pieces of thought leadership, two pieces of industry news, one piece about you. So for every six pieces of content you share, only one should be about you bragging about your services, your company, your story, whatever it is. The other five should be providing value to your network in a way that you're not asking for business. So that's the best practice. Then kinds of stories that are the most engaging. So once uh, LinkedIn enabled native video, video is definitely the most engaged. What kinds of videos? I don't have the right answer for that. What goes viral? And then for firms specifically, that's a different deal. But I'd, I'd say video is always the most engaging. But if you're thinking about like a piece, like you're writing a piece, for whatever reason, very consistently, the top five ways of this, the top 10 of that, people love to click on that. It's like, it's the best clickbait in the world. And it's not like facetious or negative way, meaning like you got them to click and they're not going to get what they wanted. But if you deliver, like, for example, like, the top five ways to prepare for estate planning. Yeah, people are going to click on that. Like 100% people are going to click on that. Whereas if you're like, this is the way estate planning, the industry is changing, that's going to be less engaging. For whatever reason, people love numbers, you know, and they want to see like, oh, like, oh, do I know all five? <laughs> yeah. You know, like, like it's, so literally, it's literally like a, you know, like a test or a, it's, it, it just drives, uh, drives people to click. Yeah. It's really interesting hearing you say that. Like um, we promote like the, the advertising that we're the most familiar with is just doing social media advertising on Facebook, but from all the tests that we do, yeah, those yep. numbered lists always, and I don't know, I've got my theories on it too. I think like, you know, one of the reasons I think, you know, I think that's the first time I've heard the completion thing too, because I think that's a really interesting hypothesis. I also think on some level, it's like, it's a finite number, right? It's not, you know, you're not opening sure. this Pandora's box of, oh God, now I have to care right. about how long is this article going to be? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Right. Is so it 17 pages? I don't have time yeah. to read that. It's oh, this, size. Is, this is the top three. I could click. I could see. Yeah. I could read. Three. Yeah. I could read three titles. I'm an esteemed, uh, busy professional. Of course, certainly I have time for three things to say at the top. Okay. That's really fascinating. And then I'm trying to think as far as like, kind of like the most appropriate calls to action, like, do you see people going, you know, just going ahead and dropping calendar? I know this is super tactical or like what kind of engagement sure. do you find working the best as far as actually that sales conversation and getting that started? So let's take an example of, I share a story and I work for a firm 
I didn't actually click and share it. Somebody did it for me because I'm too busy. But anyway, a share is a, a story is shared. So what I'm going to get when I'm in LinkedIn is I'm going to get my notification. So I'm going to see who liked, commented, and reshared it, which is brilliant because it's right in LinkedIn. That's where I'm spending my time. So in my notifications, I get like a little like update. I click and there's six new notifications. And it says, you know, 10 people liked or commented on your story. So I click on that to see who the 10 are. Now I know who those people are. I'm obviously going to be more than likely first degree connections, but some of them could be second degree connections because any of those public facing actions go to their networks as well. So not only you're hitting your network, but anybody that does that, it then amplifies into their network. So you've got that network effect. But so let's say I've got six people that did those actions. Then I can literally look and, and realize like, oh, okay, here are three people that I actually should be booking meetings with. And then you can see how they engaged. And very easily and very commonly, it's just, hey, you know, I noticed you clicked on this or you like that. We're actually experts in that area, or we can really provide a lot of value around this topic. If you're interested, you know, let's book a call, let's book a conversation and, uh, and continue through. So it's a great way to see that publicly facing engagement and then turn that into a reason why you should have a conversation. Yeah. That's really intriguing. I was going to say like, I mean, it's, it's kind of funny. This is something that I haven't brought up on the podcast yet. Sure. <laughs> I, back in the day, I've actually had my personal profile banned on LinkedIn uh, over three times. Okay. <laughs> and that was because back in 2016, 2017, you were adding I, was everybody? The, I was the direct outreach cowboy brother. I was, sure, I was sure. going straight up hard pitch and we closed business and we did really well for those clients. So I don't feel too yeah. bad about doing it. But I think the evolution, at least that I've seen as far as the B2B sales that we've been involved with is that it's harder and I would say pretty much more expensive in either the amount of money you're putting into it or the amount of time you're putting into it to go directly for that sale, right? Or not necessarily the sale, but selling them on a meeting, selling them on a phone call. But it's such a simple adaptation. It's like, I think even the most novice marketers understand the importance of putting content out, but it's just not really capturing that. I think it's just like, it's one of those things. And why I think it's, it's such a fantastic platform that you've built is that like, you know, People think that the battle's over after you create the content. There's another battle to be fought by promoting that content, which you guys can help with. And still another one yeah. being able to do the damn outreach and just, you know, yeah. you know how do we convert? Yeah. And, and yeah. on some level, it's like any person who's liking your content and sharing it, you know, they're raising their hand. They're saying, this is something I'm thinking about. If nothing else, it's an excuse to have a conversation, you know? Totally. And there's a variety of ways. And that's when we head into the conversation around social selling which is now, so we've got this platform, we're driving out this content, how do we action it? Right. And so there's a few things. From a technology standpoint, we've also built in the functionality to be able to actually see what they did after they came to your social share. Mm -hmm. So for example, like if you shared something, then went like, oh, hang on a second, let me learn about that firm. And then they went to your website, we can actually action that for you. So we can say like, X many people from these different companies visited your website mm -hmm. from your social shares. Wow. So we can actually tell you that. And then- it's not rocket science to figure out who those people are. Because, yeah. you know, if I see in my list, like five people came from Apple, mm -hmm. then I just go, okay, who shared the story? And I can see who shared it. And then I just message that attorney and go, do you know anybody at Apple? And they're like, yeah, yeah, I know like Steve and Sarah. And it's like, okay, cool. Well, they clicked on your stuff and you're trying to land them as an account. So perhaps you should reach out to them and book <laughs> a call. So from an aggregate standpoint, we can deliver that information. Stepping forward and, and like, how do we action it? So my background, like originally was in headhunting and it was, we were taught to cold call and the way we were taught to cold call was like purely it was numbers. Yeah. So for example, like it wasn't like, Hey, you know, and this and that, what do you think? And this pitch, 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 pitch. It was outright. 
hey, my name's John Baldock. This is the reason why I'm calling. Are you interested? And then if they went, no, you went, okay, thanks. Hang up. Boom. Hi, my name's John Baldock. There's the reason why I'm calling. Are you interested? You are? Okay, great. Let's have a conversation. But you'd have like a hundred connections and maybe one or two people would be like, oh, perfect timing. Yeah, right. I'll have a conversation. <laughs> Everybody else were like, no. And you just hang. They would literally tell us, just hang up and move on. You're not going to take them from buying from six months from now to buying today. And you want to sell stuff now. So nobody does that. Pretty much nobody does that these days, right? The last time I've received a cold call was almost never. So how do we then move from people are liking and commenting to I'm now engaging in a conversation to I'm booking a call or a meeting, et cetera, et cetera. So really, you know, some of it is just who are they? And, and, you know, are they the person that we should be engaged with? You know, if we see somebody and they're at like an organization that we're, we want to do business with and they're not, we're not sure if they're the buyer, maybe it's, you know, Hey, thanks so much for commenting. Really appreciate you participating in the conversation. Then they like it. And then you just respond back, you know, Hey, you know what? You know, your organization's really the kind of company that we should be doing business with. Can you tell me who I should be connecting with at your company? And then they just, yeah, I'm happy to help. Yeah, yeah. You should be talking with such and so in this team and such and so in that team. And it's like, okay, great. Then you reach out to those people. And when you do, you just say, hey, I was chatting with your colleague over here. And anyway, they suggested that I reach out to you. And it almost feels like that warm intro. It feels like they were like, oh, okay, well, I guess I'm kind of obligated to respond now. It's warming it up. And the other thing you can do is with platform like LinkedIn and others is you can see how you're connected. So if I wanted to re- reach out to you, Jan, then and, and I don't know you and we're not first degree connections, I could just pull you up and see like who knows you that I know and then ask them, you know, hey, how well do you know Jan? Oh, okay, you know him pretty well. Do you mind making an intro? And away we go. But you can really widen out the reach of an organization and the amount of connections with social sharing and employee engagement, employee advocacy, we found that the average person on LinkedIn was getting a half a new connection a month. So every two months, they would get a new connection. Yeah. When they were sharing socially, they were getting invites all the time. Yeah. So you're growing your network way faster because you're visible. You're now recognized as a thought leader in the industry. You're recognized as somebody that really knows their shit and they, people want to connect with you. And that opens a lot of doors. I was going to say too, it's like a lot of the stuff that, that might be legible to some of these like old school, old school blog posts and like, uh, like email newsletter guys. It's like, you know, this is a list. This is exactly like your email list. And there's, there's no doubt in people's minds and in the conversation that the more people that you have on your email list, the better it is. But mm-hmm. I think it's time that people start talking about this, not only for themselves, but also just, I mean, this has kind of been a huge eye opener for me about the value on this to a company as a whole. So, um, yeah, I think it's, it's a, a total, it's a total paradigm shift. Like, you know. <laughs> I'm having a hard time thinking about questions on behalf of the uh, <laughs> the listeners because I'm well, so intrigued on ones for myself. <laughs> well, that's that's all good. Feel yeah. free to ask the ones that are really for you. But something else to take into consideration is that there's engagements and then there's visibility, right? There's mm-hmm. reach. And so taking that, that example of uh, an, an organization that has 50 people in it, which is probably going to give you a reach of about 40,000 people, mm-hmm. you don't need to have 40,000 engagements every time your employees share something. That's not going to happen, but it's going to show up in the newsfeed of 40,000 people. Right. So just visibility, like I'm going to see things in my newsfeed. And if you and I are connected, even if I don't you know, click on it, I'm still seeing it. I'm like, oh, there's Jan. Oh, okay, cool. Oh, that's an interesting article. And I don't have time to click on it. Oh, okay. Moving on. And then uh, a, a week later, oh, hey, Jan's just sharing that really cool thing again. Oh, oh that's that's another interesting article. Oh, wow. Jan's really smart. He seems to be on the, you know, the pulse of, of his industry. 
And then, you know, two weeks after that, I see something in my newsfeed and you share it and then I click on it. And because it's super relevant and, I, and it's like actionable for me. And then I'm like, oh my gosh, thanks, Jan. Really appreciate you sharing this. That's the reason you should be reaching out to me and booking a call. But the first two times, it's just building that familiarity. Now all of a sudden I like feel like I'm getting to, you know, become more familiar with you. You're a known commodity, et cetera, et cetera. So building that uh, brand for your employees is also building the brand for your firm. So, so there's, you know, one piece, which is just getting the content out there. Uh, the other thing I should mention is people often think, oh, all our employees are connected to only the same people. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you can say like, oh, our reach is 40,000, but they're all connected to the exact same people. And the answer is they are internally, we're all connected to each other. So it may, you may think like everybody knows everybody. Well, yeah, at your firm meeting, but outside of your firm, statistically on average on the LinkedIn network. It, two employees outside of their internal connections uh, overlap, uh, their networks overlap by 3%. Wow. So, so 97% statistically on average, they do not overlap. The only way they overlap more is when everybody worked at the same places through their whole career. And it's right, like, right. You know, same friends, same friends, same friends, same friends, like all the way along. And same clients, same clients, same clients, same clients. Like if, if you know, if you have like two twins and they worked at the same organizations, <laughs> One Sarah and one's Bob, you know, great. But that's not where your people are coming from. They have diversified backgrounds, varied, et cetera, different connections and, you know, different schools, different places to work, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, that's fascinating too, because it was, it was interesting. Like, so one thing I wanted to kind of like, uh, one kind of last thing too, I know we've had a lot of examples that we've talked about for B2B, but does this change at all? Are there people that are using this for like more people who have, um, you know, I guess, consumers in the sense that it was just one end user. But again, a lot of these consumers who might be on LinkedIn, like say somebody who works with business owners. So there's five main use cases, and then we can split some of them into pieces. One is marketing, pure play, B2B, B2C, and we can dig into what the C is. Then there's talent acquisition. So, hey, we need to hire these people and we want you know the people with like skills to be able to share this content. There's social selling. So we're going to share this content and then we're going to expect our you know, people that are client facing to action that and, and book meetings and, and make calls. Uh, then there's corporate responsibility or corporate communications. So that's about brand reputation. So uh, you know, if you need to protect your brand, if you're in the news a lot and you want to control what that story is, control the narrative, there's no better place than a platform like LinkedIn, where mostly people just only make positive comments. You know, it's risky for them to make something not positive because it's going to affect their career. So generally, it's a great place to be able to control your story from top to bottom and have everybody support it. And then uh, the last main use case is through resellers or distributors, uh, et cetera. So for example, like I've got a business, I've got my employees, but also I've got these organizations that I've partnered with that sell my service, sell my product represent me in some way. And they may represent me exclusively, or they may represent like a whole variety of products and services. And so they deliver content and they want those people to distribute the content to their networks. And the amplification effect of that is pretty impressive. So those are the, the five. Digging in like on the marketing side, like, you know, who are we targeting and what are we, tra- you know, who are we trying to reach? It depends on, this is where you have to look at who your employees' networks are. So if they're connected to your target audience, so for example, if you have financial advisors sharing out content, yeah, they're connected to their prospects, they're connected to their clients, who their clients are going to have their networks are going to be full of prospects. So if your employees are connected to customers, whether they're 
businesses or individuals, if your employees are connected to those or attorneys are connected to those, I know I'm you know, jumping back and forth between employee and attorney, but if they have those connections, then there's value in whether it's B2B or B2C. Yeah, that clarifies things a lot for me too. And like, I'm just trying to think too, because it's like, you also brought something up when you're mentioning the uh, the resellers thing too, because it's like, one of the things I've always thought there was a huge application for LinkedIn is like every kind of attorney, any practice areas, a lot of these main street guys, especially, there's a lot of really, really logical things. When you said financial advisors, that triggered me because that works a lot really well for estate planning attorneys. It works really well for real estate attorneys. And if you're getting in front of those people, and you're looking really smart. You know, some of the best situations we've seen with clients that we work with are when somebody ends up saying, having a financial advisor says, Hey, look, I like what you guys are saying. You know, why don't you talk to my audience? And, yep. you know, being able to have that, that leverage over time with, you know, seeing the consistent content, it's like, and I can't think of a much better way to, to do that. So that, that's fantastic. Well, right. and then just to add a couple of notes onto that real briefly. Yeah. Um, so one, you're going to be building up your professional profile. So you'll be looked upon as a thought leader in that, in the space. And then if you're targeting like a specific audience and then those, you know, and you've got those connections and they're sharing it out, that's going to like really elevate you. That will also mean that you will get invitations to speak at, you know, to audiences that are going to matter and could be potential clients. And then also it means that if you have events like live events that you want people to sign up for and you're considered a thought leader, the odds of you getting people to sign up and getting people to like want to hear you speak is going to increase. So when you, you know, populate like an online seminar or even in person one, you know, the not too distant future that'll potentially be all back to normal, <laughs> fingers crossed. So when that all uh, unwinds and, and, you know, we're able to do things in person again, you know, you have that opportunity to be able to draw people in and participate. And so signing up online and registering for events, et cetera, this is a great way to be able to, to do that. And we've built some functionality around that as well. This rabbit hole keeps getting more interesting the more we talk about this, John. <laughs> I yeah, we could say, dig at this. We could dig at this for a while, couldn't we? Yeah, yeah, that's fantastic. But um, yeah, I mean, I think this has been an absolutely fascinating conversation. And uh, if people are kind of liking what you guys are, uh, what you're saying right now, like, you know, what's the best place for somebody to take a next step? Sure. So a uh, couple of one is just visit our website, socialhp.com. Two, uh, you can reach me. So uh, my LinkedIn profile is Jonathan Baldock. Literally just type in Jonathan Baldock on LinkedIn, I'll come up and my actual like email like or my URL is, you know, LinkedIn forward slash Jonathan Baldock. So it doesn't get any easier than that. So those would be the, the two easiest ways. And uh, if anybody wants to have a chat, I'm, I'm happy to have that conversation and certainly appreciate this opportunity to be able to chat with you today. My pleasure is all mine, John. This has been a fascinating conversation. So, um, all right, guys, I think uh, I am taking a lot of notes in the course of listening to this, and I really hope you have too, but there's some super actionable stuff. If you guys, I think this is one of my Jan endorsed re-listen episodes. <laughs> Thanks so much, John. And uh, for the rest of you guys, I'll see you next Tuesday at 8 a.m. Eastern on Law Firm Growth Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Law Firm Growth Podcast. For show notes, free resources, and more, head on over to casefuel.com slash podcast. Looking forward to catching up on the next episode.